Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again, everyone. Well, tonight uh, on Belmont Banter, we've got a special guest, and I say special because uh, for me, he's one of the good guys, and uh, it's Mark Mundy. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Evening, Tony. Strange old times for us at the moment, isn't it, with this uh, lockdown? It is indeed, yeah. I'm getting used to these four walls, I think, like everyone is, but yeah, it'd be nice to get back to some form of normality. Absolutely. I want to take you back, Mark. I want to take you back early days to start us on your sort of football journey, because with the greatest respect, you've had a great football career. You've played some really good clubs and you've had a long career, which is really nice. Where was the first time that you really got interested in football? Yeah, it has been a long career. I've, uh, and, you know, the body has held up well, which is quite good. So I don't have many aches and pains, which is quite nice. So it's always good to look back with a little bit of fondness. Absolutely. But started very early. I wasn't totally into football. So... My brother, John, who played decent level, Ramsgate, Herne Bay, all them sort of sides, Folkestone, he was football mad from a very small age and I was, wasn't was really interested, to be honest with you. I would prefer to play with my cars. Uh, I wanted to be a bus driver and all them bits that went with it. But as soon as I got able to kick a ball and found out the enjoyment with it, it just uh, it went from there. But yeah, so I'd have to blame my brother for that more than anything because I wasn't that interested to begin with. But I'm glad that that, soon changed around so i would say that you're probably talking about what six seven something like that or a bit older yeah 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 probably around about that sort of age i mean uh when you was when you was a little bit younger i mean the kids start playing now at five six they've got like under six under seven under eights i mean ours was under 11s i think was the first time he started playing competitive football but apart from that it was obviously school teams and stuff like that so but that was you only will football Fix was in at school and then obviously down the park with your mates, which was, uh, you know, play to play till it gets dark, play till your mum calls you, stuff like that. Absolutely. I remember a time when one of my mates, Tony Stone, he won't mind me admitting this, we used to cycle to Canterbury, play from Whitstable, play a game over in Canterbury, cycle back to Whitstable, play a game in the afternoon and, as you say, play until it got dark. And that was just yeah. normal. Crazy, yeah. No one complained about the distance. No one complained that you didn't get a lift there or that you no. might be a bit wet or a bit muddy. It was just, yeah, that was just the way of life, wasn't it? Jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> we've all been there. Of a yeah. certain age, we've all been there. Right, OK, so when was the first sort of recognised side you played for then? So I've always been a, a local Thanet boy. So it was Thanet United to begin with. So mm-hmm. I played for their youth sides with Ken Tomlinson and Bob Wickens two local lads who were running the youth sides and then obviously got into uh, around about 15, got into the Thanet United reserve side with Jimmy Ward was running it then. And then Norman Fusco was the first team manager. So around about 15 and a half, I got called up to the first team and started playing senior football. Then to be honest with you, started picking up my first, uh, my first telling off, learning my first swear words, you know, being a little bit grown up and everything like that. But, you know, Thanet United was made up of, you know, Norman Fusco, uh, Neil Cudley, Frank Ovard, Pat Hilton, Joe Radford, these sort of people. And the, probably the biggest or the first early influence from a, a football player was Dave Carr, 
who who played at Fannett United, who was a an absolute terrific player. Absolutely played for Luton, then finished his career at Fannett United, and he was a such a such a good giving man. But what a good player! What an absolute player! Yeah, there's always someone that sticks out in your mind, and you the the empathy is there between the two of you for whatever reason. And he's your go-to guy, isn't he, Dean? Yeah, I mean, it was I was 15, 16. You had Johnny Johnny Mayo, who was probably two or three years older than me. My brother, who came in a little bit later, and he just like didn't look after us. He let us make our own mistakes, but it was a it was a good chat afterwards, and he would let you know where you've done well and where you've you know you could potentially improve. Which, apart from your own parents, your dad or someone like that, it was a it was sort of like a, quite a comforting arm around the shoulder in the doggy dog world of non-league football to be honest with you at a very early age it is a bit like that dog eat dog isn't it though yeah um, yeah and you have to learn don't you you do and you have to learn quickly because uh like you say everyone everyone wants to help their teammate but ultimately you've got to look after yourself on the pitch and when you become self-sufficient you then become an asset to the team or people don't start worrying about you they don't start concerned that they got to pick up your man and and then get halfway between your man and their man, and then everywhere everything then goes. So it was, uh, yeah, it's just just nice to feel part of the team. Nice to know that your senior colleagues, you know, trust you and are happy with what you do. To be honest with you, especially at that early age as well. Because I was only sixteen. Like you say, it's uh, I mean, you're, you're it's, quite a big guy. What are you about six two? Yeah. And and what about when you were sixteen? Were you a big big lad then or not? Tall but very skinny. Yeah. So I had no meat on me whatsoever. Probably just playing sport all day, so just burnt it off at like a at like a buffalo, and just had no meat on me whatsoever. So it was more of a case of that, you know, bulking up. And I've never been big, big, but yeah, six foot. You want a, a little bit more meat on the bones. And when I started, I was playing centre forward. So, and when you look at the, the players that you're playing with, Neil Cudley was a you know he's a lump, and he Neil when he was a but, but imagine Neil when he was that big but mobile and quick and aggressive and everything like that it was a uh, you know it was good to it was good to see and he and he, and he definitely showed me the ropes but yeah I was never uh, I was never a, a fit set lad at all but a bit quicker than I was towards the end uh, but never never uh, never too chunky to be honest with you what position I know you said you was a four what would you put yourself down as an out and out number nine which Stuart King tells me he is Andy Constable says he is or were you more like a number 10 yeah, so early days, so school school days, I played right wing because obviously everyone played 4-3-3 three, three then, didn't they? So they played yes. right wing, left wing and the centre forward. Yeah. So I played right wing. So I was quite tricky, a little bit nippy and uh, and could, you know, cross a ball. Then I went, when I went more senior, I went up front, so right down the middle. Then at Herne Bay, when I was a little bit more established, probably more of a, an 8 and a 10, so more attacking. And then towards Margate and a little bit, towards the end of the career, more of a defensive holding midfielder. Uh, right, let's so, just turn the clock back a little bit. That's given us an idea of how you changed, as far as football's concerned, playing positions. But you were at uh, Thanet. Where did you suddenly move from Thanet and why? So I went from Thanet United and I went to Ashford United. And I was playing uh, for the Kent County side. So because I played, carried on playing youth football when I was in the first team at Thanet United carried on playing youth football for the under-18s for Ramsgate under Bob Wickens. And they had a, a, a representative Kent youth side 
and I fortunately was picked for that and I was made captain so and it was like everyone in Kent, you had a lot of Welling lads, a lot of lads from London, local lads around here, so Darrell Griffiths, Scott Forbes, these sort of people uh, who were my age group, uh, Scotty Davenport, uh, which was great. So you've got, a, you know, a, a lovely circle of acquaintances and friends. And from there, Chris Weller, he went to every game going. He was the manager of Ashford and he, uh, he asked me to go over there. And at that stage, they was in the equivalent of the Conference South. So the Beza Homes Premier, if you'd like. So he's down all over the country at, at 18. And uh, so I went there on the year, probably the six months before they moved to Homeland. So I was signed for Ashford when they actually moved to their new ground out there at Homelands. And it was a lovely facility, spanking new, pitch was lovely and stuff like that. So that's where I went from Thalic United, Ashford, players such as Paul Badley, Neil Brown, that's who I travelled with. Obviously, I went. I wasn't driving at the time, so. And then, luckily, was two lads from local. So Brown is Herne Bay through and through, and uh, Paul Badley is a Thanet boy, Ramsgate lad. So I used to meet up with them. My mum and dad used to drop me off to where I met them, and they used to shepherd me backwards and forwards. And the strange thing about that was that Paul Badley is the father of Nick Badley, and Nick Badley played for Whitstable. Yes. And I used to sit in the back of the car travelling to Ashford when Paul took his family and Nick Badley was sitting in the car seat as a as about three-year-old. Quite unbelievable. Oh, so, dear, yeah. dear. Nick yeah. wasn't one of your players when you were there, was he? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. So, so, Badders with us. I played with Badders at Ramsgate and then he was at Whitstable when I was here as well. And he used to love one thing about Badders. He's a lovely dad and all that and he won't mind me saying this, but he loved the Pet Shop Boys. And he knew all the songs to the Pet Shop Boys, even as a little lad in his car seat, like three or four. He could reel them off and he'd be singing all the way over there. He was, yeah. Uh, and it's not until you think, hold on, I used to sit in the back seat of a car with you and he was a little with your dad. So, you know, and that's the thing about it. I played with the dads and I've uh, played with the sons. So I <laughs> played football with the sons. So. <laughs> and I guarantee every time a Pet Shop Boy one comes on the radio now, he's the first person you think of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. very strange. Yeah. It's all right, take that, it's no problem. No, that's all right, it's fine, it's only my brother. <laughs> so, so you're at Ashford and um, you've just run through a few of the players that you were there with. Who was the manager at the time? There? Oh, you said it was... Um, Chris Weller. Chris Weller, yeah. yeah. So how long did yeah, you stay Chris... at Ashford for? Probably two years. It was probably a step up too much at the start, at the time. Again, I wasn't, didn't have a lot of meat on me, didn't have a lot of, you know, wasn't strong. You had Dave Arter there, Jeff Ross, Peter McRobert, you know, really, really established non-league players and in a really good league as well so it was a it was a tough league because anyone who won that league went into the conference itself so you know the steps that you went through at that stage were Kent League, Southern League, Premier, Conference so it wasn't like five or six stages now to get through to the conference it was a we was one below the conference so always a lot of local lads there but again it was a great grounding for to see what the level you had to achieve if you wanted to, you know, progress at, at, at non-league football at the higher echelons of it, to be honest with you. So it was a really good grounding. Again, lovely club. I mean, Chris Weller's a, a, a great lad and I came on, came around him later on in my career at Gravesend and Northfleet uh, as regards that. So, but yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a tough time because it was physically tough, but yeah, a really good grounding for, you know, a, a glimpse into the future, to be fair. I'm always fascinated when a time comes for a player to move on, either his choice or somebody comes in for him. And it can be a various things that happen, you know, 
a loss mm. of form or on the other side of the coin, he's playing really well and someone comes in for him. What happened yeah. at Ashford? Well, I made a, a bit of a conscious decision that it, it might have been a step too far for me at the time. And so decided to go back to Ramsgate with Vic Medus, Gary Pugh, local side in the Kent League at the time, just to get regular football, just regular good football. Not because I didn't want to be on the bench, but because it was just that I felt that it was possibly a step too far at me at that at that point. So, you know, I've never been one that would, you know, the status of being a, a, a better side than playing regular football would always be my my defining decision to play regular football to the best of my ability, to be fair. And I've done it a couple of times and I've dropped back to, to, to progress. And, you know, I've got two lads that are playing now and they, you know, they make me as proud as anything when you watch them walk out onto a football pitch, do decent stuff. You know, they're at a decent level. I mean, uh, Blackie, who's is the manager now there, he, he had them both at Ramsgate. They was both in his first team squad. So it makes me pleased as punch to watch them play, but also to be able to, you know, guide them a little bit that sometimes a step down is not the wrong step and stuff like that. But it's, you know, you've got to let them make their own choices, their own mistakes, their own, uh, do their own thing. So, which is quite nice. But yeah, it's, for me, it was more of a, a case of stepping back, getting regular football and then potentially getting back up to that level in the next few years. By that time, you were, what, 18, 19? Yep. Yep. So still pretty young and still, you know, played quite a lot of senior football at that stage. So yeah, it must have been around about that sort of mark at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, football was, football was your Monday, your, your Tuesday, Thursday and your Saturday. Again, if you wasn't, Sometimes I wasn't under contract, so you'd, you'd nip a game in on Sunday as well. So you just had too much energy to, uh, to worry about. I and mean, when you look back now, you think, how on earth did I ever do that? But I'll watch my lads do it now. They play for Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, maybe have a cheeky game on a Sunday. And they're, they're still fresh to have a game of golf with me on, the, on a Monday evening or whatever. So it's mad. Yeah. It is crazy, isn't it? The, the joy of being young, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's lovely that you can watch your lads uh, progress through. That's really good. And, and nice that you're not putting them under any pressure, which I think is admirable because too many dads do that, don't they? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's about being a, it's a, it's about being a dad and like you say, and enjoying what they're doing. And, you know, it's not about being, well, I would have done it that way and I would have done it this way. It's, you know, they ask for a bit of guidance. They ask how they've done and I'm always honest with them. But, you know, it's a, a level of football. They're never going to play Premier League, but they're, you know, they're a little bit better than, you know, potentially local stuff. So uh, it's just guiding them and let, then letting them, you know, try and make their own way in it and make their own mistakes sometimes, which is, is the best learning experience for the majority of people. Where are they both playing now, Mark? Uh, Billy's at Deal. So Billy plays at Deal with Derek, with Dell and Steve King. And Jake's at, uh, he was at Thanet United. So it's gone full circle. Thanet United are like a, a feeder team for Margate. Yeah. Uh, but he's just gone up to play for uh, Snodland. Uh, in the county league. County league. Oh, good. Yeah. I wish them well. That's good. Yeah. It's Thank nice you. that Blackie. It's nice that they were with Blackie because he's a he's a good lad, Blackie, isn't he? Absolutely, very yeah. much so. And he and he had them as an early age as well. And you know, uh, you worry a little bit that they get open to uh, you know the trials and tribulations and the uh, the dog eat dog world of non league football, just like I did. But you know, he 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 uh, totally looked after them without a doubt. So, um, how long did you stay down at Fanet uh, United then? Oh, sorry, Ramsgate you were at. Ramsgate was only about a year. So it was only about a year. Got myself back playing again, regular football. You know, used to the, the bumps and balls and bruises of uh, of regular men's football. But 
at potentially a level that I was more comfortable with at the time, uh, and, which was and, which was nice. And a lot of people think, I know it sounds a silly thing to say perhaps, they think it's about the money, but it's not, it's about the enjoyment. It's yeah. about the mates. You know, yeah. if you're playing with your mates, a bunch of mates, you know, you're enjoying what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether it's football, whether it's hockey, cricket, no. anything. It, no. You know, you're having fun, aren't you? Yeah, the, the, the financial side of it is a bonus, to be honest yeah. with you. And, you know, there's not many there's not many players out there that, you know, can make a living out of non-league football, you know, without having to do a job alongside it. And I was exactly the same, you know. I never hid myself that I could be a bit of a mercenary and play non-league football and get as much as I wanted out of it because that wasn't my driving force. My driving force was to play the best level that I could do and to, you know, to be part of winning teams, to, you know, to have memories to look back on, whether it was winning a Sunday Kent Cup or whether it was, you know, being in the playoff for, you know, for winning the Kent League or, you know, a good run in the FA Cup. It doesn't matter what level it is. It was just wanting to be the, the best you could be, to be honest with you. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. And where was the next step for Mark? Next step was Herm Bay, so one of the old rivals, which uh, I've, I've, I've made a little, I've made some notes because obviously, like you said before, you, you, you say, where did you play? And then you sort of like think about it and then you, you know, you write two pages worth. So, but Herm Bay was my first club where I gained success, uh, one stuff. Great club under two guys that were, have been at Whitstable, Trevor Gowan and Dave Elliott, yep. uh, two super guys, football guys through and through, local people attracting local players to, you know, to get some success locally. And I think within the first couple of years that we was there, we'd won the lead, we'd come second, you know, we was in the mix all them bits and bobs that went with it, but unfortunately failed a few ground ground gradings, so we couldn't couldn't go up from winning the the Kent League, which was disappointing. But it was you know it gave you that that hunger to you know continue to do that. And under Mickey Todd, who was the chairman at the time, young young chairman, you know just got a good set of local players together, which was which was quite nice. Rather than you know everyone coming from far and wide, it's you know a nucleus of of local East Kent players, which is a uh, you know puts the, the the team spirit there. Everyone's together. I think the, the furthest player that used to come was Lowell Wright, who was the keeper. And he came from, you know, around Welling, something like that. And then it was Nigel Poynton, God bless his soul, from Chatham, Gillingham, that sort of way. But everyone else was local, Thanet. Uh, I've often spoken of... about this, and you'll, you'll appreciate this being a Thanet lad, that the hard thing for Ramsgate is they've got their back to the sea, and their yeah. catchment area is just one way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so absolutely. Unless you've got a pot of money when people are willing to travel, your, your, your catchment area is is somewhat restricted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a spoke, uh, chat with them, um, and he was telling me that, uh, the, oh, it was Jim Ward. And Jim Ward said to me that the thing that he did, he always made sure that he sponsored a car for the what he called the London boys. So any that he had to bring on any distance, they all share the car. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? Does make sense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was, a, he, was, he was a shrewd one, Jim, without a doubt. A lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves, but he was, uh, he was very, very successful and, and shrewd in respect of the way he man-managed people. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Jim actually. He gets yeah. a lot of stuff thrown at him unnecessarily, uh, yeah. particularly about some of the moves he's made because people don't always understand what's going on behind the scenes. No, no. And they perceive it to be one thing, and it could be something entirely different. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I do think he gets a, is a, a little bit marmite in here. You either love him or hate him, and you know a lot of people make a make a, make a choice of whether they like him or not without even knowing him. So you yeah. know because you hear him on the sideline, he's passionate, he's loud, he's, he's a gruff Scottish fella from Dundee, and all that that goes with it. So, but you know deep down, if you if you ever have a conversation with Jim away from football, he's a an absolute gentleman. So he's a good lad, isn't he? Yeah, to very much so. With that gruff Scottish. On the sidelines, he's actually got his brother alongside him as well. <laughs> it's yeah, like he's even double, double barreled. He's even louder, yeah. He's yeah, even he's more annoying, nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, I did a good interview with Jim. It was lovely to talk to him, it really was. So, yeah, yeah it's good. So, you're in, but you were at Herne Bay for a fair while, weren't you? Yeah, probably a good four or five years. So, uh, probably a good three, couple of three with Trevor. Uh, and then Trevor was replaced by Tommy Sampson. Obviously, the great, the man, Tommy Sampson. And he did it his own way, Tommy did. He came in and he ruffled a few feathers. He completely changed the playing personnel. And some of the players that had previously done well for Herne Bay were, you know, cast aside, unfortunately. And it's, and again, that's the, the, the ruthlessness of non-league football and one manager fancying you and the other one not. So, you know, I was lucky enough that he liked what he saw, felt that I could do a bit for him and again got good players in people like you know the Terry Martins the Phil Miles you know Jason Ash these sort of people really really established at that level decent players uh Dave Monteith uh, he brought in Stiddy Meadows from Deal and I mean who could prize Stiddy Meadows away from Deal at that age at that time it was a uh, it was like he had an umbilical cord there to the ground so but he came over so and we had a really good side and and again won the league again under under Tommy which was which was really nice and possibly, well, that definitely paved the way for the move from Herne Bay to, to Gravesend and Northfleet, which was a, was a really nice move as well. They paid a bit of money for me as well. Tommy looked after me as regards, you know, I was on contract, but they didn't ask for the earth. So, you know, they didn't put any obstacles in the way of, of me moving up. And, you know, and at that time I was ready for that, that level. And it was again, the, the Beezer Premier uh, which I'd been at, at Ashford and didn't quite feel I was ready. At that point, I was definitely ready, without a doubt. Tell me something. You would possibly know this. You just touched on the fact that um, Tommy Sampson won the league at Herne Bay, which obviously is there for everyone to see. Was the fact that the ground grading issue came up the reason for him then to subsequently move to deal, do you think? So I believe, yeah. So I believe. Tommy was very, really ambitious. I mean, he'd just finished playing... Uh, when he took a training session, he was very knowledgeable. And he'd, if he would, if he would ask you to do something, he would demo it for you because he was a terrific player. Tommy was, uh, as a, he played at Dartford and all that. And he had a left foot that you could, you know, could peel oranges. It was simple as that. He and he used to like, well, I want you to do this, and he'd drive a ball in, and like he'd, he'd show you what to do effectively. So he was really, really passionate about it and ambitious as well, and wanted to make sure that that if we won the lead, we'd rewarded by testing ourselves at a different level. And unfortunately, it failed the ground, the ground grading again. And so, yeah, I, I, as you quite rightly so, that was potentially one of the factors why he went to deal in respect of that. Because uh, again, winning, winning it 
and winning it again and then, you know, not progressing, you know, it must be frustrating on whether you're a player or a manager. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, like all that hard work and all of a sudden it's almost like a kick in the teeth, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's nice at the time, don't get me wrong, because yeah. you've got all the, uh, you know, the pats on the backs and the compliments and, you know, you've won another league medal, but it's uh, it's then same old, same old the next year and it's potentially harder to, to motivate yourself when, when, you know, sometimes people go up and then they struggle in the league above, but at least they're testing themselves. You know, it's something different. Yeah, it certainly is. You won the league at um, a move that you wanted well I don't even know if you did want it did they come in for you then yeah they did yeah so uh, this thing you know it, it, everything's inter- intertwined so or entwined uh, when I was at Thanet United Norman Fusco who was my first manager he did he decided to leave so uh, and so Gary Alders took over Gary Alders was another centre forward who took over uh, and he came down and was manager at Thanet United well at that time as I said Chris Weller came in for me for a higher level at Ashford so Good guy, Gary, as well, said, yeah, if you if you want to go and you feel that you're up to it, then you go with my blessings. That's perfect. No problem whatsoever. And then all them years later, when I've gone to Ashford, come back, Ramsgate, Herne Bay, Gary Alders is the manager of Gravesend and Northfleet. So he's then come in for me on the year that we won the lead with Tommy Sampson and I scored 25, 30 goals, whatever it was from, from midfield. He's come in, spoke to me. I knew him anyway. Uh, do you fancy coming up to Gravesend? They just won the Southern League, so they then went back into the Visa Homes Premier, which again was Conference South, uh, the one below the, the conference. So you're travelling all over the all over the country. And I then travelled from Margate to Gravesend with that's where Paul Lamb came into play. So that's where Lammy came in play and Mark Howard, both two lads, they was up there the year before, won the league. Tommy Warlow was playing there at the time. Uh, Steve Portway, Mickey Cotter, you know, really good, really good players. I signed the same year. They, they signed me and Jimmy Jackson uh, on that year. Uh, so again, decent, decent side. And, and again, a reunion with, with an old manager, Gary Alders. And I think sometimes it really helps if, you know, it is a little bit cutthroat sometimes, but it helps if you get on with people because you never know what the future holds. You never know when that person's going to pop up in your life again, footballing life again, where, you know, if you, you're you a bit of a knob or a bit of an arsehole, you, uh, maybe people, you know, give you a bit of a wide berth. But, you know, there's always part of being, you have to be selfish, you have to be a little bit self-centred when you play football, but you also there's also time to be nice as well. In respect of that so yeah so it came a little bit full circle with Gary but again going from Kentley to equivalent of Conference South I felt that I was ready for it again. So it's uh, you're now a man and you're playing in the league that you started to play at when you were about 17? Absolutely yeah wow. yeah and, and obviously a different feel for you. Yeah very much so. I mean Gravesend was a, a I mean it's been really developed very well now as Ebbsfleet but Gravesend and Northfleet was a lovely old ground at the time. Big old yeah. stands, really good, you know, uh, supporter base, uh, support base, and you know, did things right. You know, they had a big, nice coach to away games, and you know, we we trained at Gravesend, so it wasn't a case of you know we play for Gravesend and we train here, there, and everywhere. We trained at Gravesend, so it was three nights a week, uh, sorry, three days a week up at Gravesend, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and. You know, it was a commitment, without a doubt, because we're travelling them days on the old Thanet way. So, <laughs> so it wasn't the, the dual carriageway where it is now, where it's about 45 minutes. It was a good, you know, hour and a half on a, on a, 
on a decent day. So uh, as regards that, but yeah, that that's where where that came to, and and obviously then pitting your wits against some really good players and some really good sides. You know, Rushton and Diamonds were in the league at that point. You know, low Sittingbourne were there when they had you know a little bit of money that was thrown at them and stuff like that. Uh, so it was. And they'd just become very successful days then. They'd won the lead the, 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 the year before, so they was on a bit of a crest of a wave. And so to be a new player in that was, was nice and exciting, to be honest with you. And, and again, uh, a great set, of, great set of lads. And, and also where you, you form friendships. So, you know, that's where lifelong friendships with Paul Lamb and Mark Harrop come about. Uh, Lee Turner, who was the goalkeeper up there at the, at the time, who's now the... The, the first team goalkeeper at Millwall, you know, all these sort of people, it's uh, Colin Bluden, Jimmy Jackson, you know, all these people you can, you can call mates and would, uh, you know, drop a hat to, to do anything for you. That's really good. I mean, all the names that you're coming out with, it just, my, my brain's whirring all that. It's, it's like going back on a journey. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's absolutely. really good, isn't it? Yeah, and, and all good guys as well. Very much so, and all good football guys, to be fair. I mean, Tommy Wallow is, is now manager at Ashford, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, done the rounds there, so he knows his knows his stuff. As I said, Lee Turner's at, at Millwall as a first-team goalkeeping coach, so he's making a living out of football. You know, Mark Arrett, Lammy, you know, just just two all-round great guys, you know. It's, uh, you know, that you wouldn't... And, and again, it's not sometimes about the football. It's, it's about getting there. And, you know, like I said, spoke about when I went to Ashford as a young lad, Paul Badley and Neil Brown, you know, then, you know, were, took me under their wing and took me there. And then, like you say, Paul and Mark Arrow travelling back and forth to Gravesend because, you know, as I said, it's a lot of commitment. Doing it on your own is probably hard, but when you've got a couple of other guys there that, you know, in the same boat or of, of the like mind that you are, it, it, it makes it enjoyable, you know. It's almost socially, so which is good. Well, you've just hit on something again that uh, I've heard a couple of weeks ago, um, Steve Sodgy and all the lads from London were all travelling down when John Roseman was the manager. And Steve said to me that that crew of guys that he used to come down with, four of them, he said he, he still makes them all today. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. And that's the beauty of the of football. It doesn't matter what level it is, uh, but you you know, you you get the most obscure personalities, but they, they all click and, you know, it becomes, you know, lifetime friendship. Without a doubt. And the lifetime of memories as well. Like you say, you meet up yeah. and you have a chat and you have a beer and then you start, oh, you remember that day and you remember yeah. that time on the coach and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Some of it's not repeatable, but it's, uh, you know, well, that's what, what it's all about, isn't it? You know, yeah. some people enjoy going up the Dan, Danny in the Canterbury to do their shopping on a Saturday or Westwood Cross. You know, I would much prefer to be sitting on a bus with 20 other blokes having a good old laugh. So <laughs> uh, I think they call it for the love of the game, don't they? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it certainly is well I'll tell you what Mark we're going to stop it there because uh, uh, it's been great talking to you but we've got so much more to cover what I'd like to do if you don't mind is that we'll continue this another day so from yeah, me course. here at Belmont Banter and Mark Mundy on the other end of uh, Zooming um, it's goodbye from us now and we'll speak again soon cheers everyone nice to see you Tony all the best guys stay safe Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details.
I'm your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers. <laughs>